a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. I'm glad you got the note about floral patterns today. <laughs> Look at us. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Two flowers. Two flowery people. Two delicate flowers. <laughs> uh, Scared to Death, episode 95. Holy shit, five away from 100. I know, I know. I still don't know what we're going to do for that. Well, we've had... Quite a few suggestions, like, you know, okay. oh, can you go somewhere and do it live, which mm. I'm just going to put the kibosh on that right now. It, While it sounds so easy, it's actually not. Yeah, tech setup can be tricky to tricky, make it look tricky. like it looks here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not going to happen. But uh, I don't know. We've got some other people from Time Suck who've come over want a drunk as fuck episode. If you recall that hmm. from the 100th episode. That might be pretty fun, actually, to, to drink and tell some horror stories. I like that. Maybe record it a little bit later in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like that. that. That's okay. an option, All as long right. as I don't have to get up early the next day. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There were a couple other ideas. So mm, I like I like getting a little tipsy. Oh, or more boy. than tipsy, getting a little drunk. Um, that th- means that you're going to touch me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for the continued ratings and reviews lately, Creeps and Peepers. Uh, <laughs> Married people get that. <laughs> we don't mention it. Often, but we're grateful. Uh, they did not expect that. They help. They help <laughs> us continue to find new listeners and seem to keep telling others. Uh, who seem to keep telling others. So thank, it, it goes a long ways just to uh, keep this podcast, you know, growing and spreading. And we, and we do appreciate it. Yes, we do. Uh, very cool Ouija doll tea in the store at badmagicmerch.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy shit. I really like this one feels especially my style. Okay. I, I like all of our stuff. I especially like this one. I want to get, I've been in like new t-shirt mode though. I know. Well, you have, I've been seeing the charges come through. Oh, not a crazy man. I ordered three. Oh my God. For the- I know, I'm teasing. <laughs> but I just love that it's like uh, Built to Spill or Stevie Ray Vaughan or I don't know, like did, did you order a Bonnie Raitt t-shirt? I did order a Bonnie Raitt t-shirt. You sure did. <laughs> and a vintage one. Like vintage design. Vintage. Yeah. yeah, fake vintage. And then I ordered a fake vintage Steely Dan, uh, Charlie Brown kind of illustration style that I'm pretty excited about. But we could just like get vintage t-shirts. They're harder to find. That's they're, what you And they're think. more expensive. No, you have to know like what Goodwill to go to. All right. Just saying. Um, He's a large if anybody sees one. <laughs> or XL. No, you're not. Oh, no. I ordered the wrong sizes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I, I Damn saw, it. I saw that order come in, and I was like, who ordered Dan extra large t-shirts? Dan did. <laughs> I ordered myself three t-shirts all in the wrong size. Because I get confused that button-ups I wear extra large. Sometimes. Sometimes. And normal shirts, t-shirts I wear large. God dang it. I know it's off-brand. This is so funny but to me. We, it's a new Is Be Dumb story. That is. Oh, God. This so is thanks classic. for the Is Be Dumb content, Dan. Joe, do you uh, know that Dan used I'm to... not smart enough to order my own t-shirts. <laughs> you can... Joe, <laughs> when you guys talk about that on Is Be Dumb, I want God. you to also ask Dan how long he was wearing the wrong size shoes. Oh, he already oh, brought that up. Oh, God. It's classic. so ridiculous. What, uh, 30 years? Stupid. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. <laughs> okay, well, now that we're... Dang well, it! I'm so annoyed, <laughs> but I'm excited about these stories. It's so funny because I know you, and I know that that's going to be rolling around in the back of your head for the next hour and a half. Yeah. It's well, okay. We'll hey. see if they happen. To, maybe I get lucky and they fit. No, we can just go online, and uh, we'll look at their return policy, mm-hmm. and we'll 
re- make a new order for three larges, and when the extra larges come, we just won't even open them. We'll just send them right back. Okay. <sighs> the charity. Let's talk about something nice. Last yeah. uh, last June charity announcement. Now the the uh, two Bad Magic Productions June charities were Trin- Trinity Stables in Georgia and Vintage Pet Rescue in Rhode Island. Trinity Stables runs a weekly mentorship program that utilizes equine assisted learning to better prepare foster and adopted kids for healthy transitions into adulthood. And you can go to trinitystables.net for more info. And Vintage Pet Rescue is a nonprofit committed to rescuing vintage, aka senior pets. From shelters and assisting their owners who could no longer help uh, take care of them. Great. VintagePetRescue.org for more info. And uh, thanks once again to the Roberts and Annabelles for contributing so much to both organizations. And just like that, we're into the story portion of the show. Okay, let's do it. And you have two, right, today? I have you said two. Before? Yep, I have, I have a nice, meaty, juicy episode this week. Oh, okay. I'm very into it. And, what, and you gave me some details. The first one was... Uh, uh, like a ghost, uh, like a haunted ghost house situation. But as always, I love it when there is... A potential confirmation. Mm-hmm. So I really like it. And that story has um, some interesting elements that I'll give a heads up on when we get there. And then the second one, yeah. I am like so into anonymous tale from a veteran or maybe even someone who's still active duty um, about something really bizarre that happened to them during a secret mission. Okay. That I, it bothered me for a long wow. time. Yeah. Okay, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. I'm also uh, particularly excited for my second story. Um, the, the first story I have, uh, you know, not bad. It's not that it's bad. Uh, it takes place in Thailand. Oh, okay. First time we've headed there directly, exploring numerous recent deaths that have been attributed attributed to the Lai Thai, a.k.a. the Widow Ghost. Mm. Is a malevolent succubus killing healthy young Thai men in their sleep. Oh. It's very interesting. Um, and that's what a lot of rural villagers there are afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um and I do find the story more interesting than, you know, outright scary. The second story I find scary, it's a classic campfire horror tale. We're headed to a small town uh, in Nebraska, just outside of a small town, to look at Devil's Canyon. Could the legend of the Duke be more than urban legend? If we uh, believe a modern encounter tale, then the answer is yes. That one sounds familiar, but maybe I'm thinking of the Devil's Hellmouth. Road, Hellmouth. Yeah. yeah there's been lots in of... Stole Kansas. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm just like in that part of the country. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a new one. Okay. All right. Are uh, you ready for the first story? Uh, yes. What were you thinking? And I just remember that I just got this email from a fan who was like, hey, I was listening to episode whatever, and you guys have told this story multiple times before. I'm like, no, we haven't. Nah. Absolutely, 100% never repeat. And it's just so funny because the email, she's like, please tell me I'm not crazy. Like, I can hear Dan's voice. I can, like, I know. Interesting. I, I was like, ha, ha, ha. There, Something know, strange is going on with you. <laughs> yeah, stories will be similar just um, so our creeps and peepers know. I keep, uh, I work on it every few weeks, a little glossary, I guess, yeah. or bibliography maybe is better. I'm blanking on the correct term. But it, it, it's just my list of, you know, I have a, a, a list of episode topics. Yeah. Keep track of them for the bonus episodes, for the regular episodes, for all that, and just kind of like, is it a ghost story? Is it a poltergeist tale? Is it uh, black-eyed children? That's key, how we get variety. Words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that way I can, like, look and make sure that the we're kind of curating it the right way and uh, can, you know, make sure we're not repeating tales. Yeah, yeah, because it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. the farther you go. I'm cozied up. I got my. I have on green fuzzy socks that I no longer feel like showing to because I'm buried under a blanket. Okay, but I'm ready, spaghetti. All right, let's get let's get into this. All right, let's do it. As is the case in most other Southeast Asian nations, superstition and belief in the spirit world is strong in Thailand. Although Thailand is now predominantly a Buddhist nation, in fact, roughly 95 percent of Thai people wow. identify as Buddhist. Many of the spiritual beliefs in Thailand are much older than Buddhism. 
They have their roots in ancient animist practices, beliefs that objects, places, and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence. These beliefs go back likely many thousands of years. We'll never know exactly where they originate since they predate any sort of written language. We have, we have, why have paranormal beliefs so ancient continued to survive until the present day? Is it possible there could be something to them? Thai people who still adhere to the old ways believe our world is populated with spirits, both good and bad, helpful spirits, mischievous spirits, protective spirits, destructive spirits, spirits that can be trusted, spirits that can't, spirits associated with rivers, trees, rice, etc., spirits that live in or can enter the home. A common sight in many Thai villages is a spirit house, a miniature house built and placed outside of buildings to appease various spirits that might otherwise enter these buildings and do harm to whoever resides there. Hmm. These spirit houses must be well looked after and placed on the part of the land the owner believes is the best place to most effectively reduce the risk of being haunted or cursed. I want a spirit house. That sounds awesome. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Uh, some of them are pretty big. Uh, if only spirit houses could protect uh, one from the Laitai. They seem to be immune to its effects. The Laitai, or widow ghost, is a spirit from ancient Thai folklore that still concerns many in rural parts of North and Northeast Thailand, where numerous villagers believe she's killed men for centuries and continues to kill men today. Time now for the tale of Laitai, the widow ghost. According to legend, the Laitai is a jealous and vengeful female spirit, the ghost of a sexually insatiable, adulterous, cruel woman in life who is now crueler and more selfish in death. She roams the earth as a malevolent spirit, haunting the dreams of male villagers at night, always looking for another husband to take with her into the grave. It's said that when she finds a man she's attracted to, this succubus of sorts enters his dreams, a sexual Freddy Krueger who seduces him while he's asleep and then convinces his soul to follow her into the afterlife leaving his body vacant and dead. Shortly after this wicked spirit enters the slumbering mind of one of her victims, he often begins to choke and froth at the mouth. The widow ghost is believed to be the rare spirit who can and does kill, often. Many in northern Thailand still blame this monster for a string of strange deaths in the early 90s. After numerous young, healthy men mysteriously died in their sleep, they had no known health problems, most were in their 20s, and they hadn't complained of feeling ill the night before they went to bed and never woke up. Yale student, a Yale student named Emily, visited a small village in northern Thailand to investigate their deaths. She found local residents in a state of near panic, manically preparing superstitious defenses against the widow ghost that they so feared. Autopsies of some of the villagers revealed no known cause of death. Doctors have speculated that men died of a mysterious condition known as sons, Sudden, unexplained nocturnal death syndrome. And some think that Sons is actually Brugada syndrome, a rare medical condition where basically your heart randomly malfunctions while you sleep and the normal electrical messages sent to your heart to tell it to keep beating just stop and no one knows why. Not exactly. There's no known prevention and no cure. And for some strange reason, this syndrome almost exclusively affects young Southeast Asian men. Some villagers in Thailand think they know exactly why these men's hearts have stopped beating and it has nothing to do with the communication malfunction and everything to do with Lai Tai, the widow ghost. Certain Thai locals have gone to great and interesting lengths to keep this spirit out of their homes and away from their men's beds. Phallic symbols have often been used as a good luck charm of sorts to bring good fortune to business owners and are often displayed in local shops and places of work in Thailand. And for the last few decades, they've also been used in an attempt to ward off the Lai Tai. Large phalluses have been placed outside doors and over gates. That's hilarious. Some residents have also resorted to building large dolls made of straw. 
kind of like a scarecrow, but for vengeful spirits instead of birds, placed outside homes equipped with large wooden red-tipped penises in hopes that the widow ghost will try and attack these decoys instead of the occupants of the house. I'll have pictures later. I bet you do. One rural village has a communal three-foot-high, 22-pound phallus sculpture, but has it worked? Despite the strange sculpture, local men still began having nightmares of a stunningly beautiful woman whispering to them and moaning in their ear at night to follow her, to be her husband in the spirit world forever. Village leaders took these dreams as an omen. The lie tie was fast approaching their village. But then no one died. Did the phallus actually work? It did not work in another village. In 2018, in yet another small village, the widow ghost may have arrived and started making her rounds again, tormenting those who didn't do enough to protect themselves. The village is home to only 90 people, and when two local men in their 40s, both fit and healthy by all accounts, died in their sleep, residents resorted to posting these spiritual scarecrows outside their houses, hanging signs on them as well, informing the spirit there were no men here. Many of the remaining men in the village were so worried, they started sleeping in women's clothes and applying makeup and nail polish before bed in an attempt to fool the ghost. This is actually fairly common in some of these villages. When some locals were interviewed by a reporter, one middle-aged woman said... They had been bathing, then went to bed like normal. Their relatives found them dead in the morning. Now my son is afraid his father will die. We have put the scarecrows up outside the home. They have also, uh, they also have a label on them which says no men here. The penises symbolize masculinity since hanging in front of the house, no men have died. The villagers do it and we are comforted by our faith. Another resident, an elderly man, heard rumors that the ghost had already taken men's lives in neighboring villages uh, before showing up in his, saying, Nobody knows why, and the village elders are afraid the young teenagers will die next. There could be no more men left in the village soon. A medium was brought in to try and communicate with the spirit and try to convince it to leave the residents of the small hamlet alone. The medium claimed she had indeed contacted the spirit, and the angry woman's ghost informed her that she would quickly take at least two more men before moving on, and the medium was right. Three more local men died in the exact same way. They bathed, went to sleep, feeling perfectly fine, were then found dead in their beds the following morning by their families. Then just two years ago in 2019, the residents of yet another village lost not three, but 13 men in a period of three months. Fearing the lie tie, reportedly already being haunted in their dreams, they went to sleep and then just didn't wake up. Residents there had taken the additional precaution of hanging red shirts outside their doors as a warning to spirits not to enter. And as in other villages before, the men had taken to dressing up as women in order to fool the ghost. Still, 13 men died. As of January 2020, the widow ghost was still thought to be on her journey through northeastern Thailand, looking for more lovers to join her in the afterlife. Young, healthy Thai men continue to fall asleep, have perhaps the best dreams of their life, but then never wake up thanks to the widow ghost taking another husband. How weird. Isn't that an odd story? Just interesting. Uh, Yeah, I want to see the pictures, obviously. Uh, And then I have a few questions for you. Okay. Uh, This first picture is uh, a picture of some of those red shirts hung to ward off the widow ghost in some of these villages. And and various news articles did mention these villages by name. Okay. They're pretty small. But I couldn't find an English language video. Oh. So I didn't. I'm I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to pronounce them because I will for sure butcher them. Yeah. That language is not easy. Yeah. I had no guess kind of to how how to say it. And then this next one, uh, one of the uh, scarecrows they make with these red tipped penises. Oh, God, that is hilarious. Mm hmm. Why does the penis have to be red tipped? Uh, none of the articles said. I, th- I it must be. I mean, the red shirts, the red tit, like yeah, just some kind of like color that symbolizes like a warning for spirits. You know, I guess. Uh, this is okay. This next picture, another red shirt that says "No men here." 
just that they're hanging in these red shirts. And then one more uh, little better picture of another one of those strange scarecrows. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're very rudimentary, just like, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, yeah, really, truly a scarecrow with a straw and everything. And they put a little shirt, little hats, <laughs> and then just a red-tipped penis. That is really, really funny. Well, now I know where all those crystal penises, like what the, the origin of that is. So we've had crystal penises in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this whole time it's been keeping you safe, and you <laughs> didn't even know it. Maybe. 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 Um, Okay, well, the spirit house in general is a really interesting idea. Yeah, I should have gotten some pictures. There are pictures of those. I didn't think I was, I was limiting the pictures to uh, pictures specific to this. Oh, yeah, no, bit that's of folklore, okay. But um, I mean, some of them are huge. There was one that I saw from this village, I believe it was in Malaysia, you know, there's because they, they show up in various countries. And, and this, and this, you know, bit of folklore, just like in Europe, you know, um, like Slavic folklore will kind of bounce around from country to country and the creatures will be similar. Yeah. Same thing in Southeast Asia where the, uh, the oh my gosh, and now I'm blanking on the name, the widow ghost, but not... Lai Tai? Yeah, there's a, I wanted to say, my lie is a village. Lai Tai, there we go. The Lai Tai, um, there's, there are creatures very similar, very similar to Lai in other countries throughout Southeast Asia. Yeah, because we and have talked about one of them where there were like men dying... We talked about one in either Indonesia or Malaysia. It was started with a P that uh, had like these entrails hanging from it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Is mm-hmm. that what I was thinking of? It would like get you in your sleep. And it, for some reason, I'm thinking about people jumping off of a cliff, or maybe there was like a it was on a seaside town. Or oh, uh, I was having a hard time recalling. Oh, that was you're thinking of. There was those people that died in the hurricane. I think that was Japan. And then these fishermen they kept. Uh, uh, these boats kept coming up to shore, like these ghost ships yeah, coming yeah. to shore empty. And Maybe is was, that what it is? I might have been combining that also with yeah. another um, spirit that is supposed to get men in their yeah. sleep. And it sounded like a similar thing where, like, no signs of any sort of um, illness or right. um, struggle, but just that you just die in your sleep. I can't remember what that one was called. There's this, there's an entity, like, they've got, I want to say, like, the night, the, the night hag, and I don't know. Yeah. These, the, 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 like, like, but they're similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the concept kind of is similar. Yeah. Bl- blends a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the spirit houses. Oh, yeah. There was one that was big enough for, like, people to actually sit inside. It was just, like, a mini house out in front of, like, this uh, village. But then other ones are, like, you know, pretty small, little, like, mini, like, a dollhouse. Is it, so is it meant? For the spirit to go to, mm-hmm. like, like basically, a like lot. giving like the spirit a home. Like here, you can don't go yeah. back to my house, but you can come here. A lot of the superstition stuff I find, especially in the Southeast Asian kind of like you know folklore, is is based on tricking the spirits. Yeah. So it's like supposed to be like a little like miniature version of your house. I love it. Where you like instead of having your house haunted, yeah. the spirit goes into the little house and haunts that instead. Can I have one? <laughs> Sure. I mean, they look cool. I think they'd be like, they look cool. You can look into spirit houses. I mean, I basically think like we have a tree fort. That, the- that could be our, oh my God. So we have this like super haunted tree fort now. That'd be so Cause great. Because our, our tree fort do, does look like it's painted the same way. Yeah, it looks like same our Same kind of shingles. It's like a little ish. Ish, yeah. A little mini version of the house. Now, how do I direct the spirits there? Uh, we can't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm going to need a lesson on you that. I'll have to look into that. I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool. It's a very interesting story for sure. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's maybe not the spookiest, yeah. but I love hearing folklore from other places in the world because, right. you know, we, we all have our own traditions mm-hmm. for better or worse. You know, they might seem strange to someone yeah. else, but 
I, th- I think it's cool. And it's clearly scaring the shit out of a lot of these people yeah. in Thailand, scaring these men to the point that they're hanging these things outside their house, they're painting their nails and things, not for a fashion preference or a— Right. But for out of fear. Yeah. Like they're truly afraid that this thing is going to get them and they're not going to wake up in the morning. I think I think you should be next. I was yeah. thinking about what a vision you would be with like a wig and makeup. And- yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that'd be a strong look for me. <laughs> uh, are, are you are you ready for this next one? I'm very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm not even going to take notes because I'm. You're I so like excited it. about it. I, I just like want to get deep into it. Okay. Looking forward to telling it right after today's sponsor break. Thanks for listening, creeps and peepers. Heading just outside of the quaint little town of McCook, Nebraska for this tale. Okay. Really cute little town, actually. Yeah, McCook? Yeah. Uh, Originating as East 11th Street in the small town of McCook, Nebraska, there is an unassuming seven-mile dirt road that leads to a place called Devil's Canyon. And Devil's Canyon, as you might guess from its name, has a dark origin story. The story goes that over 100 years ago, a man murdered his entire family there and then killed himself after being plagued by dark thoughts seemingly coming from demonic sources. Not long after he passed, his ghost began to wander around the area, causing trouble for random people who passed by and terrifying some of those brave or foolish enough to seek him out. And his ghost is said to wander and cause trouble to this day. Today's story comes from two friends who passed through Devil's Canyon in the fall of 2013. What they thought was just a simple scary story turned out to be all too real for Kelly and Lucia. Time now for the tale of the ghost of Devil's Canyon. Young roommates Kelly and Lucia were driving back home to Colby, Kansas from Kearney, Nebraska, where Kelly had grown up. They spent their Saturday wandering around town, shopping at the Hilltop Mall until it closed at 9. It had been a long day, and Kelly was exhausted. Lucia was the energetic and adventurous one of the two, often dragging Kelly along for whatever plans she'd made for the day. She was glad when Lucia was finally ready to head home. They had a three-hour drive ahead of them to get back to Colby. Kelly looked out the window as Lucia drove, listening to the playlist she put together just for their outing. The sun had just set, but the sky wasn't yet black. It was a dusty blue-gray color, with the stars peeking out and the full moon shining overhead. Kelly quietly reflected on her day as she watched the landscape speed past. She had to admit to herself she was still spooked from Lucia's story earlier. She'd always been afraid of ghosts, urban legends, and just about anything that'd be classified as horror, and Lucia, unfortunately for her, was obsessed with all things creepy. Kelly didn't try to let on how much Lucia's stories sometimes got in her mind and swirled around and haunted her. She didn't think Lucia would understand. They clearly didn't bother her. She didn't want their circle of friends to tease her either. She didn't want them to think she wasn't fun to hang out with. So she just listened and handled it as best she could. As they were driving to Kearney that morning, they passed through McCook, a cute little town of around 8,000 near the Nebraska-Kansas border with one of those classic Americana main streets full of brick buildings that once housed malt shops, diners, and various ma and pa stores. Kelly counted the town's neatly gridded streets as they drove through first, second, third, fourth, on and on, so neat and tidy with numbers in one direction and alphabet streets running perpendicular to them, A through at least M. They drove around the town a little bit out of curiosity, and then they drove. And when they drove past 11th Street, Lucia's playlist cut out. Why'd you pause the song? Lucia asked. Is it too loud? I'll turn it down if you want. No, Kelly said, sitting up straight in her seat. I didn't pause it. Can you look on my phone, see what's going on? Kelly grabbed the phone. Odd. No signal, even though they were still in town. She checked her own. No signal as well on that phone. Did the tower go down? They were surrounded by houses that had to have cell coverage. She relayed her discovery to Lucia. 
That's weird. We've had service the whole way through. The girls sat in silence for a few moments. Kelly was happy to continue counting streets. Lucia, though, she never cared for the quiet. Any cell service yet? No, not yet. We must be in a dead spot. Or something happened. It should come back soon. What are we supposed to do until then with no music? I don't know. Think about our schoolwork. Contemplate the ultimate meaning of life, Kelly asked, chuckling to herself. That's so boring, Kelly. Then Lucia paused for a moment before adding, Oh, how about I tell you a story? Immediately, Kelly was wary. Lucia's stories uh, pretty much only revolved around the paranormal. Uh, okay. Great, Kels. I have a good one. It's actually about McCook. I read an old blog post about it the other day. Lay it on me, said Kelly. I didn't want to sleep tonight anyway. <laughs> she smiled, a forced smile. She knew if the story was one of the scarier ones Luc- Lucia told, it might just actually mess her sleep up a bit. Lucia grinned, eyes lighting up with excitement as she prepared, prepared to tell her tale. Over a hundred years ago now, probably the late 1800s, early 1900s, a man and his family lived down 11th Street on a seven-mile-long dirt road. Their house was in a place called Devil's Canyon, but it wasn't always called that. No one knows its original name or if it had a name before Devil's Canyon. They only know what the place became. They say that somewhere down in Devil's Canyon, there's a cave that's the source of everything bad that happened there. The first settlers practiced satanic worship in that cave, leaving behind some kind of evil they conjured that permeated the entire canyon. Long after the satanic cult left the area, a family moved in. McCook wasn't widely settled yet, so they were the only ones who lived on the road anywhere near the canyon. Why live so far away? The father didn't want to be close to the center of town. He liked his privacy. Kelly swallowed, hands gripping the edge of her seat. She didn't like where this was going. Lucia continued. The family could tell almost immediately that something wasn't right with their new home. They knew it from the first days they camped there while their father began building their house. There was a heaviness in the air, a constant feeling of dread in their chests. The mother always felt on edge, like something was coming for her. But it just seemed illogical to feel that way. It was a quiet, peaceful area. The nearest neighbors would have to walk miles to get them, and they didn't have anything valuable to steal. They should feel perfectly safe in their cozy little home, but they didn't. She didn't sleep well, troubled by confusing, frightening dreams full of shadows. And that feeling of something coming, something really bad. She knew that she saw the evil thing in her dreams that was coming for her, but she could never remember what it was when she woke up. It was awful waking up and feeling like you knew there was a monster somewhere near, maybe just outside the door. But you didn't know what it looked like. How could you defend yourself if you didn't know what was about to attack you? The father started changing as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months. He grew steadily more stressed. He became quick to anger. He was now always on edge. He never slept more than a few hours each night, often storming out of the house in the middle of the night to pace around the canyon. He had a haunted look in his sunken eyes. He was losing weight. He wasn't eating enough. He always seemed slightly distracted. The mother tried to ask him what was wrong, to get him to talk about what was going on, but he refused to discuss it other than one night telling her, right before falling into a restless sleep, it's evil. They're all around us now. I gotta find a way to make them leave. The two children knew now by now that something was wrong with their father. They'd asked their mother what was troubling him, and she didn't know what to tell them. She just made them run along and told them to mind their business. One night, just after midnight, the father sprung up from bed, not even bothering to put on his shoes this time before marching outside to pace around faster and more frantic than before. The mother could hear his footsteps circling in front of the house he'd built for them, crunching over the little rocks that littered the ground. He stayed pacing outside the front for a while, but then she heard him pass by their bedroom window and slip around to the back, and her stomach sank. For the first time, she wasn't just worried about him. 
She was afraid of him. He was headed towards where the children were sleeping, and suddenly she remembered the evil thing coming for her in her dreams. Her husband. It was him. She sat straight up. She knew something terrible was about to happen, and that she had to stop him from getting to the children. She ran to the bedroom and heard the front door of the cabin slam against the wall. He was back inside. She rushed to the bedroom door, standing tall, determined to keep him away from their children or die trying. He turned and looked at her wild, sunken eyes, open unnaturally wide. She'd seen him like this before, in her dreams. He shouted at her, I have to get it out! Get what out? She yelled back, The evil! Don't you feel it? It's killing us! It's inside us! And I have to get it out! Before she could even ask him what the evil was, he pulled out a pistol he had tucked into the waistband on his back, and he shot her in the chest. She fell to her knees and threw her hands over where the blood now pumped out of her body. He then pushed her aside, stormed into the children's bedroom, and quickly shot both of them before they could even cry out. And then when he was done, he turned the gun on himself, flashing a mad grin and saying right before shooting, They're leaving now! I've shot them out! Everything's okay! Before pulling the trigger on himself. A local man from town heard the gunshots and, fearing the worst, rode out to the Devil's Canyon with his two oldest sons. The mother was still alive when he got there, and she told them the story before dying on the floor. The man and his boys found only four bullets at the crime scene and an empty revolver. He'd loaded his gun with just enough ammo to kill his family and himself. Ever since that night, a spirit believed to be the father's ghost known as the Duke is said to haunt Devil's Canyon. And it's said that if you go looking for him, he'll find you. He's known to sometimes make technology glitch, cars malfunction... He follows people around as they walk through the canyon. Some have seen his shadow. Some have witnessed a full-blown apparition. Most just can't shake an intense feeling of being watched. Some, when they see his shadowy figure creeping along and try to drive away, their car won't start. Or when it does start, his shadow has run along with their car. A few claim he's even followed them home and haunted their dreams, always whispering the same thing. They're gone now. I've shut them out. Everything's okay. And then BOOM! Ha ha! Lucia laughed. I got you to jump every time. Damn it, yelled Kelly. I hate it every time, she said. And then looking at the goosebumps on her arm, she added, Ah! I really didn't like that story. She sure didn't. It felt too real, not like the other stories Lucia usually told. Usually they're outlandish with too many details that seemed impossible, but not this one. They were out of McCook and back on the highway by the time the story was over. Kelly hadn't even noticed them leaving so enwrapped by the tale. Lucia had glanced over at her, eyes widening when she saw how the color had drained from Kelly's face. Come on! You don't really believe that, do you? You know it's not real, Kelly. You should see your face right now, she laughed. Are you sure that one's not true? It felt real enough to me. I promise it's all fake. No one even knows who those people were. If there's no historical evidence, it never happened. That's what I always say. It's just a legend to make the town seem more exciting. No need to be scared. But Kelly had been scared. And now she was even more scared because they were about to drive through McCook again, this time at night. She felt uneasy. The sky was now pitch black, and the quaint town no longer seemed quaint. It seemed eerie. Soon they were approaching the infamous 11th Street. It's all fake, Kelly, she told herself. Just a dumb ghost story. Lucia suddenly made a right turn down 11th. Kelly's heart pounded, stomach dropping like she was on a roller coaster. She told herself maybe Lucia was just taking an alternate route home. But then Lucia kept driving down 11th. What are you doing? she asked. You'll see, was all her friend replied, flashing the hint of a mischievous grin, and then she made a left onto a dirt road. Lucia drove for a couple minutes, a little smile still on her face. Kelly felt sick with dread and also angry. She was a good sport, but this was too much. Lucia pulled over to the side of the little used road and turned to look at her friend. Want to go for a walk? 
What the hell, Lucia? No, I don't want to go for a walk. I want to go home. Why are we on this abandoned dirt road this late? This is dangerous. Come on, Kelly. You scare too easy. Let's go looking around. It'll be fun. Maybe we'll see a ghost. No, you're crazy. Even if there's no ghosts out here, there could be murderers. Please, Kelly, this is going to be good for you. It'll get you to face your fears a little. There's nothing out here but some grass and dirt. You'll see. Devil's Canyon is just an old campfire tale, just like all the other stories I've told you. No more real than something you read in a comic book. You'll see. We'll walk around. We won't find anything. Don't be so boring. We'll leave in like 10 minutes, I promise. If you know there's nothing here, then why are we even going to walk around? Okay, maybe there will be something here. But how cool would that be to see a ghost? Come on! We'll scream, run back to the car, have a fun story to tell everyone. Kelly thought about it. This was a terrible idea. No doubt about it. All sorts of things could go wrong. And a small part of Kelly worried that they might actually see the Duke. What if he really was out here wandering around? Despite these fears, the thought of being alone in the car scared her more. She knew no matter what she said, Lucia was going to go explore a bit. Fine, Kelly said. But I'm setting a 10-minute timer. And we're getting back in this car and we're leaving once it goes off. Lucia grinned. Yay! Let's go! The girls hopped out of the car. Kelly turned on the flashlight on her phone, checked the time, 11.07 p.m. No cell phone signal again. Not reassuring. At least her timer seemed to be working. She'd be counting down every second. The two walked straight down the dirt road, leaving the safety of the car behind them. It was so quiet. No birds, no bugs, no critters scurrying about. Only the sounds of their footsteps. Hello? Anyone out here? Lucia called out. Be quiet! Kelly whispered viciously. You said there's no one here. What if the Duke wants to talk to us? Seriously, Lucia? I'm going back now. You have two minutes. We're going home. She turned around, huffing angrily. Kelly lifted her phone to light the way back to the car, but then the flashlight suddenly turned off. She went into the app, pressing different buttons, but nothing she did would make her light turn on. Only the light of the moon now illuminated the dirt road, and it didn't light it near enough for her liking. As she walked back to the car, all she could think about was Lucia's story. What if it was real and not an urban legend? How did that mother feel, knowing what was coming for her? What evil possessed this place to make a man like that feel like he had to kill his family? She kept imagining the Duke creeping up behind her, revolver in hand, raving about evil and then killing her. It made her shudder. Kelly reached the car after what felt like an eternity. She grabbed the door handle, pausing to look back for Lucia. And when she saw her, she got the chills. She was a small figure way down the road. Why hadn't she started walking back? From what little Kelly could see, Lucia was standing in the middle of the road, perfectly still. Her flashlight wasn't shining. It must have stopped working too. Something about the way she was standing like a deer in the headlights, rooted in place, really creeped her out. What was making her pause? Kelly squinted her eyes, trying to see into the dark. What she saw made her heart drop, her body tense up with fear. There was a man standing in the middle of the road, about a hundred feet further down than Lucia. He wasn't moving either. It looked like the two were having some sort of face-off. What do I do? Kelly panicked. She couldn't drive down there and try to run over the man with the car. Lucia had the keys in her pocket. Kelly wasn't a particularly brave person, but in that moment she decided that scared or not, she was going over there to get her friend. Lucia! She yelled out, running as fast as she could, racing to get her before the man could get a hold of her. What if he had a knife or a gun? Lucia, what are you doing? Kelly yelled. Gasping for air, she grasped her friend's arm, dragging her back. Lucia wouldn't budge. 
Kelly yanked at her arm, pulling with all her might. She could see the man better now. He was still standing there, seemingly staring ahead. It was a bit hard to really get a good look at him in the dark, but Kelly knew he could see them. Let's go! Run back to the car with me! Kelly poked her in the side as hard as she could, digging her fingernail into her friend. That seemed to snap Lucia out of whatever haze she was in. She gasped, seeming to realize what was happening and started running with Kelly. Adrenaline allowed the girls to make it to the car in just over a minute. They jumped inside, Lucia immediately clicking the locks into place. She fished her keys out of her jacket pocket, jamming them into the ignition and turning it. Nothing. Kelly looked up. The escape seemed to set the man into action. He wasn't running, but slowly, steadily walking towards their car with purpose and not a good one. His hands were in his pockets and his eyes were on only them as he stared them down. Lucia turned the key again. Still nothing. God damn it, she shouted. Why won't the car start? Now Kelly was in the one in the trance. The man stepped ever closer, continuing the intense stare down. This couldn't be the Duke, could it? No way. This was just a crazy man out in the hunt for some young girls, some local nut who maybe left a scare people, right? He wasn't a ghost. Kelly wouldn't allow herself to believe he was a spirit. A person they could run away from. They could fight him off. But how do you fight off a ghost? How do you stop them? Lucia turned the key a third time. The car engine sputtered, but still wouldn't start. Kelly, what do we do? Lucia was now just as scared as she was. Now he was only about a hundred feet away from the car. He continued his slow, steady pace. Lucia turned the key a fourth time. Again, the engine sputtered. Kelly looked down at her phone. The numbers that displayed the time were going all over the place. Her phone was going haywire. Kelly could hear her panicked breathing, almost hyperventilating at this point. Oddly, she felt nothing. All she could do was watch the man get closer to them, heart pounding with each of his steps. He stopped, now only 50 feet away from their car, and took one of his hands out of his pocket. Kelly could see gleaming metal. Was that a gun? Lucia turned the key a fifth time, and the engine roared to life. Kelly finally looked away, and everything seemed to snap back into real time. Drive! She shouted at Lucia. Lucia threw her car into reverse, turning the wheel all the way as she backed up as fast as she could. Kelly looked up into the rearview mirror and screamed when she saw the man standing right behind their car. Lucia saw him and screamed too, putting the car in drive and stomping on the gas. The tires spun for a second before the car shot forward, sending dirt and rocks flying. How did he get behind the car like that? It was almost as if he was able to teleport himself wherever he wanted to go. There was no way a regular man would be able to run that fast. As Lucia sped down the seven-mile dirt road, a dark shadow followed alongside the car. Neither girl spoke, Lucia intent on the road. Kelly focused on the dark shadow running alongside them, both too afraid to say anything. Kelly felt that if she talked about it, it became real. But if she could just ignore him, maybe he'd go away. Finally, Lucia turned onto the paved 11th Street, and the shadow vanished as they crossed the border from dirt to asphalt. What just happened? Lucia dared to ask after a few more minutes had passed. It was him, Lucia. Her eyes widened and she opened her mouth like she was about to ask Kelly if she believed the story. Let's just go home. Kelly cut her off before she could ask. For once, Lucia didn't feel the need to talk. No more scary stories. They drove the rest of the way over an hour in complete silence. They'd definitely gotten a story to tell everyone else, just maybe not a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Oh, buddy. That just made dark roads way scarier. Mm-hmm. Dark, lonely road at night. Oh, my God. A man standing there. When I was growing up, my aunt and uncle lived out, if you're familiar with Ohio, which most of you aren't, but that's okay for those of you who are. They lived in this town. It was called Medina. And they lived outside of Medina in this city called Homerville. And it mm-hmm. was like, you know, miles in between houses and driving. Like, you would take the interstate and you would kind of go through 
like a, a town square. I mean,、oh. I was like in it. Oh, cool. I'm like, oh, man, 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 man. And then they lived way out, way, like way, way, way out. Yeah. And you would have to go down this really dark road that I don't even know if it had. Lights on it. I、mm-hmm, mean, it was just、not. no, I mean, and it was paved, you know,、mm-hmm. it was, you know, maintained by、mm-hmm. the city or whatever. But, um, and then their driveway, you would reach the bottom of their driveway, and there was like a there was a ditch, a, a, you know, pretty good size. And then their driveway was about, I don't know, half a mile, mile long, was pretty long, and just nothing but trees and forest. So, like, that's what I was picturing, just middle of nowhere, terrifying. I hated going to their house at night, I hated、uh. it so So much. Yeah. And that's where I said it in my brain because that was perfect. Okay, good. Oh, that was really good.、Uh, good, good.、Uh, this, this first picture, not scary. This is McCook,、uh, Nebraska, downtown. Is, that could be like fucking Colville. Oh, Colville, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a little bigger. It's about 8,000. But it has that same vibe. Yeah, like, same vibe. It could be downtown Coeur d'Alene. Like, it just, you know, it has it, that cute. Old timey vibe. And I love that it's just in the middle of, if I'm, hopefully I'm not mistaken here, but, but I'm remembering it was just in the middle of nowhere. Like,、uh, like off, it kind of just pops up. Off the highway, but not off the freeway. You know, like one、yeah. of those old towns that survived, you know,、uh, once the railroad kind of stopped being a, a major thing coming through and once、mm-hmm. the freeway was,、uh, you know, kind of bypassed it, kind of like that, what, Pixar cars, you know, thing. Oh, like, yeah. It actually survived and it seems to be thriving. It's pretty cool.、Um, it's so funny. Before you and I met, I did not know that there was a difference between a freeway and a highway. Oh, yeah. The, the interstate system really.、Uh, Changed the, the feel of, of America. There w a s just all these little towns off、mm-hmm. all these little highways that you know, that they've, th-、uh, you know, depended on a lot of people kind of coming through their town、right. for the stores to kind of you know, prosper. And once the interstate system got punched through and these towns that weren't on the interstate,、right. it yeah, devastated it. a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard to find a good picture of Devil's Canyon,、uh, but I found this. <laughs> just looking for it. They found a red butt crack. Is that what came up when you put Devil's Canyon into the Google search?、Uh, I just thought about butt cracks. I thought, like, Devil's Canyon sounds to me like a sunburnt butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> the Devil's Canyon. So then I, was, then I was looking for good butt crack okay, pictures, and that seemed like a solid、that. one. All right. Well, thanks for that.、Uh, this, this Your is, mind is very weird. <laughs> this is. Come on, that's kind of a funny phrasing for, butt, for a, <laughs>、yeah. a sunburnt butt crack, Devil's Canyon. But, like, did, did you think about that because you have heat rash in your butt? No, from I'll, your I'll, hike? I'll talk about that in a second. I、okay. want to show one more picture. This,、okay. is, this is an old picture. There, there's no like, good picture. There's like, some closer picture of just like, you know, a boring kind of deserty canyon. But yeah, but, yeah there's, there's nothing.、Uh, I couldn't find any good pictures online.、Okay. I looked quite a bit.、Um, yes, yeah, before we get into your stories, <laughs> I, am, I am so sorry.、I'm, I have no shoes or socks on right now because I have these crazy blisters on my feet. No one can see your feet. I know. I'm just explaining. I have these crazy blisters. And I had this crazy heat rash all throughout my upper thighs and on just, I mean, on your bits. On my bits. My bits got all heat rashed and friction burned up because I went on this insane hike with, you know, with our daughter Monroe. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so、yeah. glad. It, it, this, this hike, it's not a normal hike, there's no trails. There's no,、um, nobody does this hike for a good reason. It's just like, no, it's not a hike. It's not a hike. It's, it's a just、climb. like you made it up. I、We're、made like, it up. We can go, we can hike up that mountain. Yeah, years ago, I told the kids there was a mountain directly across from town. I always I grew up in this little town of Riggins, Idaho,、uh, on the side of the river where the town is. You can go up to the cemetery, you can hike above the cemetery and go up to the peak of that little ridge, and you get a really cool view of the town and、mm-hmm. the canyon, you know, north and south of the town. But then there's this mountain across the river from that little peak 
We're like, oh, I always thought like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was a kid uh, sitting, you know, on this back porch off of uh, my grandpa and grandpa's place. Yeah. It looked right at that mountain. So mm-hmm, I saw mm-hmm. it, you know, day after day, year after year and thought like, oh, that'd be so cool to go up there. Yeah. Decided to tell the kids, I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll take individual camping trips. And I started with Kyler when he was 12. I was supposed to with Monroe when she was 12, but then COVID happened. We got delayed a summer. Just, you know, some things came up. We got too busy doing other things. And, uh, but when I did it with Kyler a couple years ago, then I realized, oh, this is a terrible place to try to climb because it's way steeper than it looks. It's really mm-hmm. sandy, all this cheat grass, and it's uh, there's no shade. There's no fucking trees on this thing. Nope. And so you just get obliterated trying to climb up this thing. There's ticks and snakes and all kinds of cra- – and you have to climb over two other little ridges just to make it to that ridge because of the way the river bends and to go down to the nearest bridge. Knew it was terrible, but Monroe was like, well, you did it with Kyler. You got to do it. And you it felt, said you would. Yep, said you would. It became like this rite of passage. Oh, so I'm like, boy. okay, I got to do it with Monroe. I did it with Kyler. And we had an equally horrific experience because we did it when it was twenty, a good 20 degrees hotter than when Kyler and I did. It was in the 90s. Yeah, it was. Holy shit, it was so brutal. I said it was. We were gonna, so sweaty. I was worried about the heat. and We thought we were, we, we both thought about life flight at different points. <laughs> both Monroe. But to Monroe's credit, <laughs> she pushed on. We climbed all the way up. Uh, you know, it took us like four or five hours to get to the, the top, sat, set up the tent, realized that the tent in 95 degree heat is a sauna, uh-huh. and uh, took down the tents when we realized we were probably going to die in that tent, and then climbed back down the hill in the same day, and she is so proud of herself. I know. For doing it's it. really it, cute. It, it's, it's so cute, and I'm so proud of her. She really was tough. She got blisters on her feet. She got heat rash too. You and know. she got it all up in her bits too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she but she didn't cry, and she didn't give up. No. Yeah. Did you cry? Uh, no, but I I fucking wanted to. I knew it would be pointless, but I felt I felt like uh, just throwing myself down on the ground at different points, <laughs> and just bawling. But I'm like, well, what point? What good would that do? My favorite part of the entire hike was mm-hmm. that well, well, two things conjoined was that. I was uh, find my friend. I was following them just to make sure, you know, that they were okay. And at various points, Monroe's little person was way out in front of Dan's. And so I just thought like, oh, shit. Like, has he sent her on for water? Go get help. Right. Has he fallen and hurt hurt himself? Yeah. And then he was pocket dialing fucking everyone. Everyone. Me. Kyler, his mom, his grandma. <laughs> so it's like you would get these. these Everyone would got super worried. Yeah. So I'm I'm seeing you separated on find yeah. my friend, and then I'm hearing like, <laughs> just like the sounds of someone like breathing really heavy, but then like their thighs rubbing together. The sounds of like the grass because your phone was in your pocket. I'm yeah, certain of it. it. Was. So I was like, oh boy. And then Kyler has a great oh voicemail God. from you that's like so a funny. little bit of that noise. And, and then what do you say? Oh, it's so it's, it's so like, great. God damn it. No, I didn't even say where I was just, I knew I left that one, I guess, when I'm coming down the hill. And what sucks is by the time everyone, by the time I knew I was pocket dialing, yeah. we had gone around the bend and no cell phone coverage. So I knew everyone was worried about us, but I couldn't communicate. Yeah, yeah. But when I, was, when I left that message for Kyler, we were going straight down the mountain and it was super brutal. And I kept stumbling like you'd slip in the dirt. And I have my, my toes kind of messed up and it would just hurt. Yeah. So you just hear this like, it sounds so insane i love it oh so great so great um i gave you layla you got a little layla oh yeah oh oh you went for kitty cats i thought i put kitty cat away no you can have them both i mean i don't care there's no limit there is no limit are you ready to get some spoops? Yeah, I got my squishy, squishy doll, my my stress doll. Let's okay. Go. So this this first story is really intense, um, just in a, a variety of ways. The storyteller, um, 
Yeah, I, I think it was really brave of them to show their vulnerability because this there's a lot yeah. of things that happen in their life. Now, there are some elements of, of drug use and depression, and there is a suicide attempt. So if that is something that is not good for you to hear, you know, excuse yourself now and you can, you know, speed up 15, 20 minutes and come back into it. Um, but it is also a scary tale. And I, and I tried to find uh, connections through various sources between depression what you got going on? I, th- I saw you looking over there and I started looking over there. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to do a little bit of research on like the connection between depression and uh, the spirit world. Like mm-hmm. wondering if, because we've talked about like little kids are more susceptible. So when you are not at your 100% best, like are yeah. you more susceptible to spirit coming on to you? And that wasn't the right word, not coming on to you, but being, you know, well, yeah, being attracted to you and, you know, coming into your world. But I, I couldn't find anything. Hmm. But, okay. but I thought that was like an interesting, interesting angle to explore. Mm-hmm. Like what your mental state is, how does that affect your vulnerability? There's there's speculation, I will say just from uh, doing another story, there's speculation about some of that where if you go down the route of like uh, more kind of like Christian belief in that type of a demonic entity mm-hmm. where they're trying to trick you, mm. they're trying to like be deceitful and things that uh, they're going to – there could be a logical – I guess using that logic attraction to somebody who is struggling with mental illness mm. because they want to um, cause mayhem and want that person – want they want everybody else to think that the person's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're, what – I'm not I'm not suggesting that I'm suggesting like mm. like I deal with depression right it's like a very real part of my life right I'm yeah. medicated I do all the things to deal with it uh chemical imbalance like I can't control it it just yeah. is a part of my life right yeah. so would that make me like I'm not as fortified if you will mm. uh would that make me more susceptible to something not not that something wants to make me look crazy but it just like you know like if you well if it wants to harm too and if it wants to wear you down right is it easier then to then attach there's a logic there yeah, yeah sure yeah so I just thought that was an interesting thing to kind of explore a little bit I was digging around on that alright you ready spaghetti yeah okay so this is an anonymous story and so it begins I have tried several times to write this story and have had to stop There are things surrounding the story that are traumatic for me and my family, and I know I have family that also listens to you nut jobs. So that being said, (laughs) I love you guys. Keep my name out of this, and let's fucking party. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love the beginning. 1991. I was 11 years old, and my parents had just divorced. My father was given full custody of my two sisters and I. The circumstances of their divorce ruined my sisters and I for life to the point that I was a full-blown alcoholic pill junkie by the age of 13. After the divorce, my dad bought a house just outside of Milwaukee. The house was an old boarding house for railroad workers from the, 18, uh, from the 1800s. It didn't have enough bedrooms, and so my dad decided he would build a room for me in the basement. Again, mid-1800s house stone basement walls, partial dirt floor, ceiling so low in some places you couldn't stand up. But my dad was doing his best. Having to work two full-time jobs to support us as there was no child support coming from my mother. The actual construction of the room was a great memory for me because my dad and I did it together, which was something that rarely happened. I loved my room. It was the first time I ever had my own space. I had my own little corner of the world. About a month after moving into my room, I was woken up by some footsteps above me. It was approximately three in the morning. I listened as the steps wandered the main floor of the house. My dad was an early riser, so I figured it was him. And the next day, I asked him what he was doing, and he said he hadn't been up walking around. He told me, it's just an old house creaking. 
I heard these steps nightly for about a week, and then I heard them come down the basement stairs. The first few times, all I heard were footsteps, just kind of random shuffling. It wasn't my dad, and it definitely wasn't my sisters, as they were scared to death of the basement. After a while, I heard a mumbling female voice accompanying the steps. I never heard actual words, just the sounds of a faraway conversation. One night, I was particularly annoyed with the whole situation as I was getting no sleep, and I decided it was time to put a stop to it. I busted out of my room and yelled, SHUT UP! And as soon as the words left my mouth, I could tell I had made a huge mistake. The room felt like it had been filled with concrete, unimaginably heavy. I couldn't move or talk. I could hardly breathe. And then I saw the shadow in the far corner of the basement. It was pitch black down there besides a faint light from the TV in my bedroom. The shadow was darker than black, which I know makes no sense, but it was. It was pacing back and forth in the corner like a caged animal until it came to a stop and stared at me. I couldn't make out a face or eyes, but I could feel it staring into my soul. In a flash, it charged at me faster than anyone could possibly move. It was just inches from my face, just a black mass. I could feel its energy vibrating. There were still no discernible features like eyes or a mouth, but it screamed a scream so guttural and loud that I thought I was going to black out. It echoed in my head as if it were coming from inside of me, and just as fast as it charged at me, It was gone, as was the heaviness, and I collapsed. After a couple seconds, I composed myself enough to run upstairs and into my dad's room, screaming like a maniac. He shot out of bed, grabbed his gun, and ran downstairs. He couldn't make out what it was that I was saying, and he thought someone had broken into our house. Once I calmed down enough to actually form sentences, he realized what I was saying, and his response was to scold me for waking him up because I was being a fucking crybaby about a nightmare. His anger only grew when he figured out what else had happened. I had actually wet myself. I was so scared. I never had been someone to get scared like this. I had seen things early in my life that would make me immune to fear, or so I thought. I was ordered to take a shower and get back to bed. I slept on the couch for the next few nights. The steps and voices continued at least once a week from then on. The voice was much different now, though. It was angry. I could make out a few words every now and then, like, out, or go, and leave. There was no sympathy from my father. He was an old school tough guy. So not sleeping in my room was not an option. In order to get through the nights, I would smoke some weed or drink myself into a stupor. Mind you, I was only about 13. A few months later, I had my first night terror sleep paralysis incident. I was awoken by smoke, unable to breathe. I couldn't move or make a sound, but I could see and hear, and it still haunts me to this day. I could see my room filling up with smoke. I could hear the sounds of my sisters screaming and begging for me to come save them from the fire. The heat was so intense, it felt like my skin was going to melt off my body. It seemed to last for hours. All I could do was lie there, tears pouring from my eyes. And then, just like the encounter with the shadow, it was simply over. The only thing I did was check on my sisters. The sounds of their screaming to me, for me to save their life have never gone completely away. These bouts of sleep paralysis came about every month or so and were always connected with fire. All this continued with some regularity for a couple of years, as did my spiral into the depths of depression and addiction. One day, two older men showed up to the house looking for my dad, and as it would turn out, it was the man he had bought the house from and the man's brother. 
They asked if they could see the house, as the brother had not seen it since he had left for the military when he was 17. My dad was getting ready to leave for work and asked me to show the guys around. They were super nice. As we walked around the house, they laughed, telling me stories of all the hijinks they had gotten into as kids. The house was very different from when they were kids. It was a bunkhouse back then, like a rail workers B&B kind of thing. They had lived with their aunt who ran it. They would light up every time they mentioned her. The former owner asked me at some point, is she still here? (laughs) The look on my face must have said it all because before I could even answer, he just laughed and said, yep, that's a yes. And then he went on to explain that after she passed, he would still hear her at night, making her nightly rounds, going into the basement to stoke the fire. I'm sure I was white as rice at this point, and he tried to reassure me that there was nothing to be scared of because she would never have hurt even a fly. I told him I could not disagree more and began telling him about the things I had been experiencing. The brother thought the whole thing was a joke, but the former owner seemed genuinely concerned for my safety. He asked me where my room was, and when I told him that it was in the basement, he got a very serious look on his face. Their aunt had been doing her nightly rounds and was in the basement to stoke the fire. It was an old wood furnace, and when she opened the door to the furnace, a flame shot out and caught her clothes on fire. By the time the people got to her and put the fire out, she had been burned on 90% of her body and was unresponsive. She died in the hospital a couple of days later. I'm not sure why, but I asked him to show me where it had happened. And of course, it was in the corner where the shadow had first appeared. You could see char marks on the old floor joists above where the furnace was. And again, my look expressed everything. They both tried to change the subject and tell me some funny stories, but I had tuned them out. As they were leaving, the former owner told me not to worry and that I should just be nice to his aunt. He thought I had somehow upset her when I had yelled at her to shut up. (laughs) After they, after they left, things did seem to calm down. I still heard the footsteps and the voices, but not the angry voice, and there was no more sleep paralysis. It was like she was happy to see her boys. But unfortunately for me, my personal spiral had not calmed down, and I was at the point of no return. On the night of May 7, 1996, I was just 16 years old, and I had had a particularly bad stretch with booze, drugs, and depression. And that was the night I had decided I'd had enough. I wrote my sisters and my dad a note, apologizing for them for being the piece of shit that I was and that I loved them. I grabbed the 45 from from behind our couch, left the note on the kitchen table, and went to my room. I sat on my bed and cried, wishing there was another way, but I just couldn't see a way out. I had the gun to my head when I felt it. There was a hand on my shoulder. It was cold, but somehow calming. And then I heard the voice that I had heard thousands of times before. She simply said, No. It was completely clear, not muffled like all of the other times. I answered, I said, I have no choice. I had never before or since felt what I felt after that. All I can describe it is as an overwhelming sense of love. It was warm and completely embraced me like a hug. I could physically feel my arm being pushed down and I didn't fight it. I dropped the gun on my bed and cried until I fell asleep. I was awoken by my dad the next morning who was crying. He had found the note and thought he was coming to the room, to my room to find me dead. He just hugged me and cried and told me how sorry he was for not seeing what I had been going through. The next day, I was in a therapist's office and then sent to a treatment facility, and my life has been completely different since that day. I know this sounds insane. I know it. But it <laughs> happened. And can I say for sure it was her that saved my life? No. Was it just a teenager's mind on the brink of death coming up with something to hold on to? 
perhaps, but I choose to believe that it was her. And if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd be here. And I've thanked her thousands Hmm. of times for that. My dad still lives in that house and my room is just stored now. But I do go down there and say hello to her every time I go. That's a really cool story. Isn't that really good? Mm -hmm. It's like scary, Mm -hmm. but really emotional. And like I said, I think that the... The person sharing the story is just so brave to like put that out there because yeah. like, that's a heavy story. So thank you, anonymous. Uh, I'm gonna say creeper. I guess seemed like they were pretty tough. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with creeper. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I re- I really like that. I was I was in I was in. I, I said it earlier in the story, enwrapped, and now I'm like, is that even a real word? Enwrapped or enraptured? I'm I'm captivated. Maybe enthralled. I think, yeah, I think those are all synonyms. But, yeah, those all mean At least two out of three of those words are real. <laughs> Enwrapped? Mm-hmm. Enwrapped. Like, like captivated? I was wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. How would you spell enwrapped? Like E-N? E-N-R-A-P-T. Mm-hmm. I think it's real. I thought it was like E-N... I don't have E-N- my phone on me or I'd look. E-N-W-R-A-P-P-E-D. Mm-hmm. And like wrap, like wrap a box. No. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to have a debate about this later. <laughs> it's a word. Oh, it's yay! A word? yay. And how do you spell it, Joe? Uh, yes. Enwrapped. E-N-R-A-P-T. And Not, it means? It means fascinated, enthralled. Yes! Enthralled! I, I, was, didn't, I didn't I used over, the perfect, I, I used the perfect synonym. I can't uh, buy shirts for myself, but I can come up with words that are real sometimes. <laughs> good job, sweetie. Oh, my goodness. You are so special. Thank you. You are so welcome. It's good that you are creative and smart and cute. Uh, that's still patronizing. No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we have another anonymous story, and this one takes us to Yemen. Uh, we've been near Yemen, but I don't know if we've been we in Yemen. We haven't been there. Early, early in the catalog, we, uh, oh, the jinn. We talked about oh, the jinn yeah. from somewhere on the, uh, I want to say Arabian Peninsula, but don't think it was Yemen. Okay, cool. No, I don't think so. And uh, this person is taking us Oman on a secret military mission, which I'm just fascinated by in general um it's it's so interesting on a variety of levels i mean okay a yes we're in yemen and then two it's like we're it feels like the way that this person wrote this story i feel like i'm on this mission with them i think that the author did an excellent job it feels like you're sitting down to have a beer and your buddy's like let me fucking tell you what happened okay okay um and and we haven't had a military based story in a long time we had one we've had them but not in a while yeah there was one with the night uh night vision goggles like a while ago that i told from my side um where they Mm -hmm. they saw something but maybe I know. I I can't that remember was a which great story. that was a great story. Yeah, yeah. we've had a couple. We've had a couple. I think they've all been from your side. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think that I've you've come had any. across online. Oh, I have to look harder. But yeah, yeah. And we had we had somebody who was in like a they do work like in a bunker. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, uh, oh, that was yours too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a while ago. That was a good one. Mm. Uh, but we do have a lot of military listeners, and it is really cool to get the emails of like how. Like, hearing all of this somehow helps them cope with their PTSD. Okay. I, I think maybe it makes you feel a little bit less crazy about things that you've been through. So, yeah. um, we're very grateful for our, our military listeners, huge mm-hmm. supporters there. Yeah. And we thank you guys for what you do. Good people, by and large. I mean, you know, there's, yeah, there's always going to be a bad fucking apple. What can you do? But, I, but I, in my experience, just meeting people like from, you know, comparing non-military, military, uh, I find that people who have served tend to have like better manners. Yeah, tend to be. I think it's more appreciative into them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it just seem to be good people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like I would want them as my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, all right, here we go. In the 2010s, my team and I were deployed. 
We were operating in the Gulf of Aden, using the water to our advantage to fill in to infill into a nook of Yemen. The objective was to secure an HVT, a high value target. We will call him Pete. That was later to leave the region with us and to be milked for as much intel as possible. In my opinion, the HVT was a child predator fuck that was only being kept alive because he knew a guy's friend's brother, cousin's dog's uncle. (laughs) He had information we could use. So he cried mommy to the American government and we had to go pick his sorry ass up. All of me wanted to shoot him in the face, but then I'd get yelled at and stuck behind a desk. So no bueno. I'll cut the insane shit now, but just giving you some context. Do you love this person Mm -hmm. already? I love them. There's a pass in the country of Yemen to the country of Oman. Oman is a friendly country, so once we humped our asses to a certain point in the country, we'd be picked up, flown to a shack that was our FOB, or forward operating base, if you can even call it that, and then we'd drive to a shitty little home base where we'd walk into a U.S. carrier and ride out the rest of the deployment in the bowels of that giant metal dildo we'll call a warship. (laughs) That was the plan, and it kind of went to shit when we got to Oman. Now, for anyone who knows the country, there's nothing anywhere. It's fucking dirt, dirt, and more fucking dirt. And in a winter night where it's quiet and sounds carry for miles. This was one of the scariest moments of my entire life. At around 02 in the morning, we are trucking through a ridge path in the southeast part of Oman. This mission has been going on for four days now. We're tired as fuck, out of cliff bars, and I have blisters on my toes like it's my day job. It's me and three of my teammates, uh, two, three of my teammates, uh, Moss and two British SAS air service, it's special air service dudes and Pete, our target. So the, the, sorry, it's me and three of my teammates. Two is their name. Got it. Moss and two British SAS agents plus the target Pete. Okay. And on the last night of our mission, something weird happened. There's a rocky crag that hooks like a semicircle over our heads and it's very distinct. As we pass the ridge, we note the landmarks and do another azimuth to check or reassess your goals or values or methods of what you're doing. We have little Garmin GPSs, and it's good to have a detailed land navigation. We're plain clothed with our rucks, our chest rigs, and our NVGs. As we start descending diagonally down the curved path, a light hum comes over the breeze. It was so low, it freaked me the fuck out. We all looked at each other like, did you hear that? Exactly at that moment, we heard the shriek of the most insane wailing sound imaginable. Terror grabbed me, but I quickly shook it off and got into assault mode. I grabbed Pete and shoved him into a divot in the mountains. Letatarak, I growled at him, which means don't move. We stacked up against the bend and started to flow around the corner. One of the sass dudes went the opposite way to get a vantage point for recon and to overwatch if necessary. If you've never looked through NVGs before, it's like looking through a straw. We weren't on some high-speed mission, so we had these old, shitty L3s that were hand-me-downs. And all you can see is a green circle of an already small path and an obstructed view. We peered the corner of the path and were searching for a light source or something. Nothing. It was just eerily quiet. Way too quiet for my taste. Freaking out, doing controlled breathing, I whispered to everyone, Let's get the fuck out of here. Now, I'm not the team leader, so I look at my boss to get confirmation. I turn around to look at him, and he's directly facing me with his mouth wide open. Not jaw relaxed, but instead a forced, gaping mouth. I froze in fear of what my good friend might be so disturbed about. Everyone behind me is saying, two, two, what's wrong? 
He doesn't move and he doesn't say anything. He only lets out tiny squeaks. My junior guy of this team, Moss, walks up to my team leader and tries to shake him out of the daze. The second Moss passes me and touches two, two's shoulder touches two's shoulder and shrieks at the top of his lungs. Not in! Not in! I tackle him to the ground and cover his mouth with my forearm, not knowing what he's saying. He's struggling to get away from me. The little gaps he can get uh, from his mouth away from my forearms. He's screaming and he says, Muschinelli, Muschinelli. Now that's not Arabic and I don't know what the fuck he's saying. We finally get him to shut up and he starts to calm down. But only once we flip up his NVGs. The moment we do, he stops and he starts asking us, why is he lying on his back? Why is everyone circled around him? We are technically in a friendly country, but we aren't done till we hit the carrier's quarter deck. So moving by the cover of darkness and staying quiet is the bread and butter of special operating forces. We get him up and we start asking him why he was screaming. And he's all, fuck you. Why the hell would I be screaming? He didn't remember anything that had just happened. After longer than it should have taken to get our shit to get to... After a longer than it should have taken getting our shit together session, we start heading back down the path. There's no more weird humming or screaming, and so we just keep going along. The SAS guys grabbed Pete and rejoined the formation behind us. It's been an hour now, and we've all settled down. Uh, that was weird and let's not talk about it kind of vibe was pulsing in everyone's mind. And just when I thought we were past the weird shit, we turned the corner and walked under the same rocky crag that we had passed under a few hours ago. Another guy on my team, Teddy, stops and says, Did we just walk in a big-ass circle? I now realize I'm standing in the exact spot I was in before when I heard the scream. All of us checking our navigation tools to verify where we were, and as I set eyes on my rig to pull out my map, the humming started again. I said, turn back now. And I don't know why I said it or where it came from, but I knew we had to get the fuck out of there. My teammates agreed and we hoofed it up the ridge in the opposite direction. We made it to a slope that led down into the desert. We took an alternate route that involved more climbing. It had taken us about 70 minutes more than it was supposed to to make it to the sand, but I was glad we made it. The sun was coming up and we had to make it to the tactical operations center before it did. As we approached the hidden away hut, we had a team meeting, agreeing unanimously that we wouldn't divulge what we had experienced. It would be too much of a hassle, and instead we said that the path was obscured and we had to climb around. They said the recon drone didn't see any obstructions, but we insisted that they were wrong. After they confirmed Pete's identity, we packed up and started driving to the port. I had downloaded all of my gear except for my G-17 in my waistband. My sweaty shoulders began being gently cooled by the morning air as we drove. A few days later, after, de after debrief, we were out to sea. With no internet, at least not anything reliable, I waited until we hit Hawaii to do some research. The words my team leader had screamed had been bothering me. This was a homegrown Michigan boy. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't speak anything except that goofy Minnesotan Wisconsinese <laughs> accent. I talked with some team guys that were in Hawaii at the, at the time about the incident. They thought I was shitting them, but then Teddy corroborated my story. We later deciphered he was speaking Urdu, which too does not speak a fucking word of. But that night, he was screaming at the top of his lungs, no, no, and don't take me, don't take me, in Urdu. What the fuck happened? I tried not to think about it. Two is a damn fine operator, and he wouldn't pull a prank mid-mission. We hadn't spoken about this since, 
However, the image of my dear friend with goggles for eyes and a gaping expression with NVG white skin has stuck with me to this day. I hope you enjoyed this story. Love the podcast. I'll always support you guys. <laughs> Stay dangerous. <laughs> Treetop. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Treetop. Um, that's such an interesting story where it's like, uh, like the part about the circling, like like it messed with their navigation equipment, yep. you know, and brought them back to the same place. And with that warning, it's like, what what f- entity force echo was bringing them back there? Yeah. Yeah, that gave me the chills. It was just, inter- just interesting. So, I liked it. It's so weird because when I think about like a military mission, I mean, the 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 entirety of it, of it, right? It's like these guys are like in the fucking like cover of darkness. Mm-hmm, they're sneaking mm-hmm. out this HVT. Like, I mean, it's a big deal what they're doing. It's scary inherently what they're doing, right? Like adrenaline pumping. These are guys who are seriously fucking risking their lives in a really serious way. Yeah. So you're already amped up. Yeah. And I agree with him. Like, no one's going to play a stupid prank right. in the middle of that, right? No fucking yeah. way. Yeah. No way. You'd get your ass chewed and probably... Beat to, beat to shit by your teammates. Doesn't sound like that was his character at all. No. It sounds like this is somebody he spent a lot of time around. And yeah, to be like out of character for them to do like a prank in general and then to do it at that time, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't seem likely. And, and then the Urdu? Like like you would learn Urdu for the prank, but then not tell anybody and have them have to figure that out on their own. That's... Please, before kind of, I read, that's, that's an odd prank. Before I read the story, I was like, Urdu. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a goddamn language. <laughs> right, you know, I yeah. mean, that it is, it's not like, oh, and then he screamed something in Spanish, you know, <laughs> yeah. that he learned on Duolingo. Like, <laughs> you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's so uber specific. Yeah. No, no, don't take me. Uh, what the fuck is that? And the fact that when he had his night vision goggles down, so they took him off and right. then he immediately calmed down. Right. That is. He's seeing something out there. Oh, buddy. God, that reminds I wish I could think of the name of it, but it reminds me now, and I want it, God dang it, I want to see this movie. Maybe Joe will know it, but I don't think so. I think I was talking about it with Logan, because I can't even give them any clues, but there was a horror movie that came out a couple years ago. We thought about watching it for one of the, this looks awesome. We, we probably do need to, and I just remember the trailer uh, is this kid with his iPad, and you know how you can like do the, the funny face oh, distortions yeah, 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 and yeah, stuff? Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it. And God, he- and, and the thing, this creature, this monster only shows up in this iPad. So, like, you can be in the room with it, not see a thing, but then you hold up your little iPad camera, and it, it, because the iPad camera will register human faces only. Right, it does those little, like, squares. Yep, and does little, like, things over, and it changes your face somehow, or whatever. Yeah. And, like, and and there was one where he'll be doing, like, a selfie camera, and it's, like, his face is showing Mm -hmm, up in the the dark, and then all of a sudden, this other thing over his shoulder. Can you even... Yikes! And I thought that like that is such a clever device for a horror movie. I it love, is, yeah, it is because even if like if I was taking a selfie and even if it didn't show me like a spooky face, yeah. if it just had the square like it was trying to focus on something, yeah, 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 right, exactly. That would be exactly. enough to send me over the edge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that. And that's that, but it reminded me of that with the night goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what if he's seen something with those goggles that's showing up, that's registering, but then once you take them off, it just disappears. Right, because I think don't NVGs work based on um, a heat? Like I have it's no like idea, geothermal. Actually. No idea. Hmm. hmm. Uh, come play. I think that's right. Yeah. Is that oh, what? Joe, how, look at yeah, you. good job, Joe. How, when, when did that movie come out? Like a couple oh, years man. ago. Uh, it's kind of uh, recent, right? I think so. I mean, it looks pretty recent. I have the I trailer. Yeah, I have the trailer here, and it has a dude being scared and on an iPad. So I, yeah. guess took, I guess took a quick guess. Uh, I think that's right. Kid and mom under the bed for the thumbnail. Oh, I think that that's right. right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. That, uh, I got to see that movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> no thanks. No thanks. That's a scary one. All right, do you want to do some uh, spoopish shoutouts? Yes. Actually, will, some Annabelle shoutouts. Yes, I, will I knew do what you the meant. Spoops, you know what I'm saying. I knew what you meant. Uh, yeah, I want to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, your support is uh, it means it means a ton to us. We love watching that. This looks awesome. Movies with you. I know it is so fun. If you haven't done that yet, make sure you get on it. It's, yeah, we do those viewing just, parties now. It's just fun. Yeah, it's really chill. And mm-hmm. like in the in the comments, it just there's a little community building in there, and it's really mm-hmm. cute. And now we got to pick a really scary one here soon. I know we haven't had a particularly over Since the top his one. house. I know, but his house was scary in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Carry okay, on. Okay, I want to thank Jenna Kuhn, Sawyer Klontz, Eric Will. I'm sorry. What did you just say? That second name was. Klontz, C L O Sawyer. <laughs> Sawyer, did I say Sawyer? Yeah, Sawyer, Sawyer Klontz. Okay, uh, Eric, Will, Casey, Hilton, Yelena, Milosoviki, Milosoviki, Jordan, Thesis, Tina, Janice, Todd, and Christina Hughes, Sam Powers, Matt Rethlake, Nick Casagranda, Elizabeth Landrum, Alexander Clout, Rebecca Myers. Jeanette Mudge and Manuela Olivia uh, Izguere. Good. I was really, I was going to take that one and I could not figure out the last name. I thought that I felt pretty good about most of them, but I fucked up Sawyer. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's such a good example of how my brain works. Aww. It'll just pick like a random word that like 99.999% of the population knows and it's like, nah, you're just going to pronounce that in a completely Aww. backwards way. That's okay. Okay, well, I would like to thank the following Annabelles. And now... I generally double check spellings. Yeah. So I don't know if this is Alicia Halita or if I left off the Y and if it's Alicia Holiday. So Alicia, either way, thanks for your support. Dave B. Cassie, no last name given. Cody Johnson, Jacob Parker, Sarah T. Sierra Collier, Melanie, no last name given. Nolan Stout, Joshua, no last name. Scott Falgreen, Benjamin Bond, Emily Cabrera, Deanne Peter and Michelle Lippum. And then I have my spoopy shout out. Yes. Okay, thank you. To Brian and Brittany from Lindsay, you're my very best friends and thanks for getting me through this incredibly tough year. To Jeremy from Valerie, happy belated anniversary. This is great. To Dickface from Kitten. <laughs> I love you. Happy anniversary. Ah, that's great. That's great. To Chris from Taylor, happy birthday. And to Monica from Michael, a happy belated birthday. To Dickface from Kitten. I, that is, like, how long have you been together? Because that is great. Great. And and now a heavier uh, yeah. and, and heartfelt spoopy shout-outs. Uh, Lindsay brought this to my attention. Our hearts go out to Emma, the co-host of Real Life Ghost Stories, that podcast. Yeah. She tragically lost her husband and co-host, Dan, on June 10th to an underlying condition. Yeah. Can't imagine what she's going through. No, and like young, like in his 30s. Yeah, we we, we don't know her, but we know that the the horror podcast community is small. The very husband, small, yeah. Yeah, very small. And the, and, the horror, and the husband and wife horror podcast pool is even smaller. Absolutely, absolutely. And we just wanted to acknowledge Dan's passing. Thank, to, yeah. uh, thank him for contributing great stories to a special slice of this podcast pie. Yeah. And send our condolences, you know, to Emma, who does not, based on a recent Facebook post, want to be messaged no, or contacted at this time. Yeah, totally, obviously, understandably. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I just think about it this way. If something happened to you, there is comfort in knowing that your community is behind you, mm-hmm. but you're so overwhelmed with what is happening, like yeah. all of the things that you have to deal with. There's almost a um, an uncomfortable amount of pressure that like you have to get back to all of those people. Yeah. And so just sending her love and, oh, man, 
It is such a tough thing because in podcasting, Dan and I both believe something that Joe Coy once said to us, which was, when one of us rises, we all rise. Mm-hmm. But this is the reverse of it. And it, it really is such a small community. And so when one of us hurts, we all hurt. Mm-hmm. And it just, um, yeah, we're just thinking about Emma. So and uh, whatever your belief system is, if you can just send some good energy or some prayers towards Emma and her family and Dan's family as they navigate this new reality would be much appreciated. And that is all for today. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for running badmagicmerch.com and our social media accounts, along with Liz Hernandez, at scaredtodeathpodcast on IG and Facebook is where you'll find the pictures that correspond to these tales and more. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today and to Zach Cohen for custom sound bed creation. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And thanks to Sarah Finch for finding and gathering details for our first story today. And to Olivia Lee for finding and gathering details for the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch these shows. And sign up to be a Robert or Annabelle on Patreon if you want additional monthly content. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Add magic productions. 